0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, leaders, suppliers, advisors, even investors around the world who are prepared to give up some of their time to share both experience, expertise, knowledge, ideas, really just help us all navigate through this new digital world we are faced uh, um, post-COVID-19 and come through it all together stronger. Today, uh, I'm super excited to be joined by Dave Savage. Dave is a director at Harvey Nash Group. He's a guy I've known for a few years now. We've done a little bit of work together. Um, He's also the founder of the Tech Talks podcast, which is a a really, really interesting, um, successful show um, that is in partnership with Harvey Nash. And uh, if I'm looking at any any person in the, especially the UK market, that I think has really stood out from an innovation perspective, then, then Dave is one of them. So I'm really interested to find out why, how, what, uh, and what, what life's like in lockdown. Before I do, I want to mention our sponsor, Rise Recruitment Ventures. Rise are a recruitment investment business who are helping the next generation of leaders, owners in recruitment to scale and exit their business for a big return. The guys did it themselves. They sold after 10 years from two of them in a bedroom to 140 staff, 20 million valuation and they're doing it again with new people. So if you're a recruitment owner or soon-to-be owner, and you would like support in both capital and expertise to grow a world-class sellable organization, then get in touch. The place to go is www.riserv.co.uk, and you can find out more. Right, back to the show. Dave, welcome to The Rag Report. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I bet it's a bit odd for you to be on the other side of the fence, right? Usually asking the question.
1: Uh, Yeah, I've had a couple like these. Uh, during lockdown. And yeah, it is. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> well, if at any point you want to turn the tables, man, get a bit into more comfortable food, do it. Um, I was on a show. I was on a podcast recently. Yeah, it was a, we, there's a guy called Adam Posner in, in the US, in New York. And he's uh, he's like the opposite of me. He's an ex-marketeer who owns now a recruitment business for marketing, mm-hmm. like for agencies and brands. Um, and he's got his own show, The Podcast. So he was on The Rag on the Tuesday, we were then on a on a combined webinar on the Wednesday, and then it, I was on his podcast on the Thursday, and we were both sick of each other by the end of the week. Um, but being on the other side, I mean, I quite enjoyed it, but I don't shut up very much, so it's uh, it was quite easy. Um, but Dave, I've given you a little intro, but um, what I want to ask first, just paint the pictures for the listeners: What is your life like today? What the hell's going on in your world right now?
1: Well, I'm in the lucky position that my job hasn't massively changed. Yeah. Um, on a day-to-day basis, uh, I, I am responsible for putting out a podcast that I started as a, as a kind of a passion project off the side of my desk five years ago that became my full-time job two years ago. So getting Tech Talks out there, two episodes a week. Um, I also do some work with some external brands. So there's um, plenty of events that, that I've worked with over a number of years now that were going to be physical, now going to be virtual, obviously. So I've, I've been hosting... Uh, Q&A sessions, uh, virtual events, and and uh, ran a few masterclasses on um, presenting, which was very bizarre, getting asked to talk to a whole load of CIOs and CTOs about the arts of, uh, of presenting and, and interviewing, kind of massive imposter syndrome. But my job, because it's content-based, has not really changed. No. The only difference is that I'm not going and meeting people when I'm interviewing them. But day-by-day basis finding interesting content interviewing people editing it publishing it the whole the whole the whole life cycle of getting the content out there and, and onto social channels and and hopefully into people's ears
0: well i mean look i, I completely understand that as i said to you just off there, we went we went daily with the show in in the lockdown and you know a lot of our customers as well have well not nearly all of our clients have been absolutely like Raring with content, they've wanted to be pushing content more than ever. So it's it, yeah, I think I think the whole recruitment industry. I don't know if you've noticed on LinkedIn, but there's definitely like a a, a real buoyant interest in marketing now that probably wasn't there a couple of years ago. Probably wasn't there yeah. at the start of the year. Like this has forced everyone to reevaluate their lives, how they work, where they work, and uh, how can they reach people without doing the things they've always done.
1: Well, you know, a lot a lot of recruitment still actually relied upon bumping into people physically at events at bars at pubs in, in and about at london coming in and out of offices mm-hmm. you you would bump into clients prospective clients contacts etc all of that's gone and the only channel that anyone's now got is through content and hopefully getting into people's feeds and getting them you know getting 30 seconds of their time and we know that the amount of people sorry the amount of time that people are spending in their feeds has gone up astronomically through lockdown so it makes perfect sense that they're all interested in content. I suppose the difficulty is that there's been this avalanche and there is also this concern that, you know, you don't want to come off as tone deaf and get, get the content wrong. There's one thing being enthusiastic and uh, there's another thing being somewhat, uh, you know, too, too much and the wrong thing at the wrong time.
0: Yeah, it's difficult. I think the Black Lives Matter uh, campaign right now as well, I've seen... I've seen a lot of people comment on that and, and, uh, I was on a, I was, I was, it was, a, I was talking to someone yesterday and they, they, they were, they referenced another a recruiter that made a, a pretty strong statement about, about, I think it was about Boris, uh, not Boris. So Winston Churchill's statue being defaced or something. And, um, you know, got absolutely hammered on LinkedIn and deleted the post. And it is, it, it is tough, especially with real political issues. It's really difficult. Um, but it's still not a reason not to do it, right? It's still got it. You've got to get your foot out. No,
1: you've got to get it right. It's just it's just judging your content and making sure that you know who your audience is. I think the best way that, that it's been described to me uh, in recent times is you've basically got to hack people's echo chambers. All right? We've all got our echo chambers. We all follow people that we want to follow. So you need to know what your audience is and get your content into that person's echo chamber. Uh, and what you effectively want to do is also make sure that people who you're not directing your content to ignore it and scroll past it because you don't want to waste their time. There's a subtle difference between TV where the entire family, you know, you're trying to appeal to a mass market and get people to sit down and watch it together versus podcasting, which is very personal or, you know, a video for that matter. um, And and is very targeted to, to a particular demographic.
0: I, I, I mean, I completely subscribe to that methodology. I think there's people on LinkedIn and places now that get mad engagement, like really big engagement, but I don't know who from, it's very mass market. And how do you then translate that into revenue, sales, recruitment, whatever your business model is, I think it's, it's difficult, right? Um, I, I'm, I've am i always been a very clear, my recruitment owner audience is who I care about, who I'm talking to, and, and I think it's served me well. But look, let's go back in, in time a little bit. You've talked about you five years ago, started this so can you just give us a really quick you know how long you were in recruitment what was going on before you even thought about content uh
1: so i've been at harvey nash for hang on where are we now uh coming up to 13 years so i joined the firm in september 2007 as a resourcer was uh, that
0: a graduate job or did you have something
1: yeah yeah so i so i went to university i studied politics and international relations for three years Right. I didn't really know what to study. I just thought it might be interesting. Uh, and then I spent a year in the Students' Union as the University Sports and societies President. Right. Um, I see you doing that. Uh, yeah, very kind of... Very day in, in people's faces. Too <laughs> much. No. Um, and I fell into recruitment because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and I'd, I'd kind of gone for a few jobs in, in the higher education sector and come up to, against kind of people who already had some experience, second or third choice. And I saw this ad that I didn't understand and it turned out to be recruitment. There I was. Um, so, yeah, I started off as a, as a contract recruiter, quickly found myself put in a position where I was a team leader, then I was a manager. And uh, by the end of the time that I was a hands on recruiter, I was managing seven or eight people, I guess. Um, then became hands off, and that expanded a little bit more and was looking after kind of three teams effectively in a contract book, uh, indirectly and well, directly of about 60, indirectly about 160, and then various different perm clients, obviously, across, across some markets. But roughly, around 2015, I, I basically, I, I wanted to tap into the fact that I've always loved content. At university, I'd written for the student paper, I had a radio show that a couple of us did that like three people listened to, but you know, whatever, we enjoyed doing it. Um, and I wanted to kind of explore that creative side uh, and and kind of pitch the idea of, of, of more of a digital role to work and got politely told that if I wanted to do that, I needed to create it myself. And so, yeah, podcasting seemed like a at the time the only way that I could I could realistically, without any budget, without any barriers, create content, and in a way that not only generated content that was that was good for the community because I thought that that it would offer an opportunity for IT leaders to hear what other technology leaders were were saying when they were maybe kind of had their heads down yeah. uh, and in delivery mode. Um, and at the same time, obviously, was a was a wonderful opportunity for me to go out and build and expand on relationships.
0: You know what? Everything you said there rings so so similar to me. In terms of, I wanted to be as a kid. I always said I liked to be on the radio. Always said it. I loved. I just loved the thought of chatting for a living. <laughs> Recruitment gave me that opportunity in a different way. Um, I never actually went and did a student new radio show. I know a mate of mine, Dave Masterman. You might have heard of him. He worked for um, XFM. Then he worked. Right. With- he produced the Chris Morris show. He now produces he works in Manchester for a like a multi-distribution show and he, he manages the beat Radio One show on a Friday or something. Uh, anyway, he had the, the Hallam FM studio at uni in Sheffield and I uh, always found that interesting. And then 2015 was when I started listening to podcasts and seriously got in like it became like that every morning commute thing to do. I remember it. And I used to think it'd be amazing to have a show, but I, I don't know why. I felt like it was something that I don't know, like i didn't know every man could just start a podcast i didn't know you could do that in my head it was like oh you've got to be like a a journalist or you've got to have production teams and a business Mm -hmm. behind it i didn't think too far ahead at that point i just consumed a lot so you thought you did all this off your own back you just said right let's come up tech talks let's just do it in a uh, was it doing it in the day at work or did you do it at night how did did you even start the thing well i was
1: quite lucky in that um there was someone else at work at the time called Salma, who I, who I know you also know, who we, we basically kind of said, oh yeah, that, that would be a good idea around about the same time. But she worked in, in bid writing, I worked on the, on the recruitment side and we kind of bounced ideas off each other. So it was useful having someone else who, who thought it was a good idea inside the organization just to give you a little bit of a positive nudge. But in terms of the content creation, going out and, and building something, yeah, I, I took it on my own back to effectively go to my existing clients and go, hey, I think this could be something good. Do you mind me coming and interviewing you? and and leveraging the fact that I had a few relationships there that that were willing to give me some time. Um I got one of our digital guys at work, um, our digital director Derek Kelly to help me in terms of setting up a SoundCloud and getting it kind of syndicated to to sound, uh, not to SoundCloud, sorry, to iTunes, et cetera. Um and he helped me kind of build, well, he, he built the website rather. I don't know how to build a website. I still don't know how to build a website. Uh, but he, put, he threw together a very basic website. And I went out and I created the content. I downloaded Audacity. I bought some very cheap microphones. And I just created these interviews. And they were long and rangy and pretty rubbish. They're still all online. But it was just sod it. Um, keep doing it. And, you know, I, I've spoken to loads of podcasters over the years. Um, David Breer, host of 11FS, um, FinTech Insiders, jumps to mind. And he was like, you know, first 10 of anything you're going to do are probably going to be pretty crap. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But it's, it's about getting past that and actually doing it again and again and getting the consistency. And then you, you obviously learn over time.
0: I'm interrupting this episode to bring to your attention our second sponsor. That's Odro. Odro is calling on the recruitment industry in, in absence of organised events to take part in what's called the Active Recruiter Challenge. The idea is that we'll all get together on the same day, Friday the 10th of July, to run either a 10k or a half marathon. Um, this is a combined effort from all recruiters to run from their homes and follow any route you want up and down the country. We're hoping that together we can raise money for a Teenage Cancer Trust. Um, and. In order to do so, we want all runners to contribute £25 in sponsorship. Fitness and charity, what a combination. To get involved, sign up to the Active Recruiters Club on Strava, then join the 10k or the half marathon from there. Strava will then track our time so that we can use them and find out how we're competing with our friends and colleagues. There's also a runners pack with numbers and wristbands which will be sent out from our drone once you get involved. Finally, see Odro's Active Recruiter's blog for full details. Everything will be shared in a link to this podcast.
1: You know, I, I've spoken to loads of podcasters over the years. Um, David Breer, host of 11FS's um, FinTech Insiders, jumps to mind. And he was like, you know, first 10 of anything that you're going to do are probably going to be pretty crap. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But it's, it's about getting past that and actually doing it again and again and getting the consistency and then you, you obviously learn over
0: time. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I think the time you did it was a real early stage, wasn't it? Like podcasting. Yeah. Like even me start of twenty nineteen, I feel like I got in at a good time, was you got in at what, when did you actually do do you remember the date you recorded the first one?
1: No no the show the show started publishing somewhere somewhere towards the middle to the back end of twenty sixteen. Yeah. So still. it took me a long time to go from idea to actually getting something out there. And then I began to kind of get a bit ahead of steam about it.
0: And what uh, what was the biggest benefit in the early days? um credibility i suppose um
1: i i i genuinely wanted to find out more about the tech industry and i think if you're a recruiter you know it's it's about being authentic and it's about being able to demonstrate that you really do have a have an interest in the market that you're working in right um and i was able to start when you go and pitch a client in, in recruitment and you're a hands-on recruiter and that is your job, you rely on the anecdotes that you've got from previous roles that you filled and, and giving market information and all of those other aspects uh, to, to kind of build trust with the client. With the podcast, I was then able to go, oh, well, you know, w- when we were talking about the market, you suddenly had all these stories in your head that all these founders and CTOs and CIOs have told you on the course of the podcast and you're able to go, oh, well, actually, this firm are thinking this and this firm are thinking that and and actually this is what's going on in the market. And, and I know that because I've spoken to these four or five different people. So immediately it elevated the conversations that I could have with people yeah. and, off, and and the value that I could offer them in terms of what was going on out there beyond just their particular environment.
0: What about from a BD perspective, like being able to, Well, that, that
1: fed into it because I was able to have much better
0: meetings. Yeah. Just inviting someone on a show is a different game than saying, let's have a meeting and talk about your recruitment requirements. Yeah. And
1: at the time it was totally novel, right? Um, like you said, it was very early. You know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't choose podcasts because I thought podcasts were going to blow up. I chose podcasts because it was the only thing I could afford to do. Uh, if I, if I could have afforded to do a video channel at the time, I probably would have thought YouTube, but you know, it's far, far harder to get people on camera and, uh, the editing involved is obviously suddenly becomes a lot more expensive. Mm. Um, but yeah, inviting someone to have that kind of a conversation is, is completely different. And at the time, no one was doing it.
0: No, it's, ma- I mean, it's amazing. I wish I could. I wish I, I wish I could have started mine earlier, but I'm I'm still I'm still happy with when I did. Yeah. Um, so how did um, how did the job progress then? As a because rec- you were still a recruiter at that point. So how did you manage the two? How did you keep the you know the lights on in you and keep performing at the level that I know Harvey Nash would expect, but also build this audience, this this new content strategy.
1: Well, any recruiter will know that you're basically y- you're targeted in in one way or another to go out and and, and to have meetings, um, and for me that was my meetings uh, kind of carrying kit road. Well, at the time it was just a phone. To be perfectly honest, I mean, at times I've had I've had a phone on a wad of paper towels to try and act as a dampener. You know, it, it didn't matter. Um, uh, it was very very low tech indeed, but it, it wasn't a problem because it was my way of getting out and networking and meeting people and building relationships. It was my, it was my way of booking meetings. So it, it very neatly kind of, um, slipped into the day-to-day duties of being a recruiter whilst not being disingenuous to one or the other.
0: A message from our final sponsor, Vincere. Vincere, if you don't know, is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform for recruitment and staffing businesses globally. Now, I first heard about Vincere, it feels like a while, it was about a year or so ago, and this business came out of nowhere from speaking to recruitment agencies, and, and I've always asked them what CRM they use when, I, when dealing with them from a Hoxha perspective. The same players usually used to come up, but this word Vincere kept coming up, and I was like, okay, I've heard this two, three, four, five times. It must, it must be uh, must be an interesting brand, um, and now I hear Vincere almost as much as any other brand out there. So I did my research, and what I love about Windcherry is they're looking to partner and invest in the same types of organizations that Hoxo do, which is the future high-growth recruitment business, what I call progressive owners. Um, These guys are putting a product out there to level the playing field and help smaller businesses and those growing to edge over their competition. Um, it's, It's proven to be a disruptor in the space, Um, More and more people are using this this software globally. They recently broke into the G2 Crowd Momentum Grid as the market leader on stellar reviews from users. So the the recruiters that are using Vincere are raving about it. They've got five global offices headquartered in Vietnam. So if you've got uh, an office anywhere in the world, they've got this follow the sun methodology. So the support is absolutely top notch. Um, And also by sponsoring the RAG, they're giving a unique offer to our listeners. So if you're listening... Um, and you want to get involved, go to vincere.io forward slash RAG, where they're going to be offering you a unique, exclusive deal because you listen to the RAG podcast. Get in touch today. When did you start? When was the first moment, though, you thought this could become something more than just a, a meeting booking engine?
1: I suppose when people started contacting me asking to be on the show, that moment where you kind of go from... I'm going out. You know, initially, as I said, I went to clients, pre-existing clients, and said, "Hey, can I can I get you on this show?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay, fine, all right. I know you. I'll give you an opportunity." And then, um, maybe ten or fifteen shows in, you begin to reproach people, and you've got a bit of a portfolio and a little website, and you can kind of go, "Oh, I'll run this thing. Please listen to it." And the hit rate on people being interested would begin to go up over time. But I think I began to realize that there was some real interest when. Um, First of all, PR start getting in touch and pitching their clients to the show. And then I suppose the other big tipping point, which is actually not... It actually is a, it was a fairly recent one, as in, as in the last few years, when people started asking me to speak at conferences. And where you kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. I'm not an expert. Why am I getting asked to speak on this, on this conference with a whole load of tech leaders? It's like, oh, well... So when was,
0: talk know, was, what was the first, first experience you had in that world? Um... What was the first conference I did now?
1: I, I can't remember the first conference I did. The first one where I was genuinely like, this, this, is, this is odd, was AI uh, and Big Data Expo at Olympia, um, which was only in the spring of 2019. But it was the first one where I did a keynote session on AI <laughs> to, to a room full mm. of, <laughs> of experts. And I just thought, this is bonkers. I'm getting up on stage in front of a whole load of room of techies with a politics degree giving a 15-minute talk about what's going on in the AI market.
0: Um, How do you even position that? Is it more of a what I know from the podcast chat?
1: Exactly, and that's that's why people are interested in talking to me because I'm now in this position, you know, as of today, 308 episodes out, um, and I have spoken at and hosted multiple events over time. Uh, So actually when I get put in that situation, the one thing that, that, that you have if you're a podcaster, if you're a content creator, you might not be working in it, but you, you, you shouldn't try and purport yourself to be a technical expert. That is absolutely not what I am. But what I do know is, is that I have a really nice holistic view of what's going on across the whole industry in a way that actually many people can't compete with. You know, only really journalists go out there and speak to everybody and can join up the dots to say, actually, this is what's
0: going on across all these different places yeah that makes sense what um what was your what can you remember what your favorite episode was in the in the early days like when 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 did you can you remember is there any standout episodes you can remember like for me i've got one i talked about recently tony kakosa in my first season where she opened me up on the show and i i was i was interviewing her right but it felt like she was interviewing me and i i kind of we had this really strong connection we were chatting we were we really opened up to the point where it was quite emotional. And then at the end of it, we were like, can we really release that? Like, it was, but it, it went so well, and, and we had so much press off the back of it. And she won clients, we won clients. But like, more than anything else, people just genuinely enjoyed it. And that still will always be the pivotal moment. I was like, I fucking love doing this. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've had one or two chats where they've been quite rooted in my own personal experience. Um, the show... A podcast doesn't have necessarily an editorial slant when you start it. And it's a, it's an idea it's a passion project off the side of your desk. It's just a way to create content. Right. And it's only over time that we've built in themes of, right, actually we need to, we've got a platform now and people are listening. We need to talk about stuff that, that we care about. So we need to talk about responsible leadership. We need to talk about inclusion, et cetera. Um, i've had people on the show and we've we've been speaking about the transgender community and and minority groups that aren't necessarily that well understood or talked about and my dad's transgender and you kind of get into those conversations and you begin to share a little bit more than you necessarily thought you would but it means something because it's rooted in there's there's something that's that's rooted in your personal background that, that matters um the other one that stands out from a from a pure point of view of oh man i really wish that I had better ideas was when I, when we were interviewing what three words kind of God knows how many years ago it was now. It's an old episode. Um, And Claire, their COO at the time uh, basically told us the idea of what, 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 what three words is, which is this app that, that can pinpoint to any particular position on the planet using just three unique words. They've created a global address book and you kind of went, ah, such a simple idea. And yet it can be used by Domino's and the UN disaster recovery app. It's so, so easy to, to oh. kind of see what the, the commercial and non-commercial opportunities are for that. And you go, man, like I could, I could have had that idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you realize that some of this is not that complicated. It's yeah. just right moment, right time, ability to, ex- ability to execute and the simplicity of it. And some, some, of, the, some of the things that have really surprised me are just how simple some technology solutions are.
0: Who's the biggest name you've interviewed so far? Any real household brands or names you'd know? Um. Yeah, I mean, we've had we've
1: had a few people who are well known. I mean, Doctor Sue Black was on the show, um, who's a, within tech certainly is a is a bit of a you know well known figure. Um, she's been on Desert Island Discs, for example, on on Channel Four. She does work with likes of Facebook and so on, and and tech you know tech moms is is, is well regarded. Um, I've had members of Parliament uh, from the Science and Technology Committee talking about the government's approach to tech. Um, so. We've had some fairly high profile people from that regard um, i've never really chased names per se I've, I, Some of the best episodes are people that you haven't heard of just yeah, yeah, stumble across and 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 you end up having really interesting conversations. but yeah, no we, we, like I said, um, darren um, from from uh, parliament, uh, Dr. Sue Black, you know amazing when you get an opportunity to speak to these people
0: yeah, for sure one. One thing I think most of my audience probably thinking if they're listening now is like, you know, it all sounds great, but what do recruitment owners always want to know about? ROI. Where where do what's gone on? Like, you know so what I mean, it's kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Why did you go full time and stop recruiting? And what has the impact been from the podcast? So you answer it in however you want. Um I think there was a realization from
1: my boss Andy Hayes that it played to my strengths, yeah. which I think is an important thing. Right, when you're when you're an MD or a, or a manager of any business, you look at the people that you've got and you kind of go, "This person might be okay doing this role, but actually, they're really good at this thing." I, I am crap at admin. I was a contract recruiter and I am crap at admin.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that that's not my strong point. Whereas content creation and talking to people and, and building uh relationships and branding and those kind of bits and pieces are my strengths so i i genuinely think that he didn't think it would be a massive loss to the business to pull me out of the recruitment role and, and to go look really focus on this it's, it's it's doing stuff um i think that the business probably would have, would have wanted more business from this over, over over time i mean i've gone out and interviewed 300 plus people i'm i'm not the best necessarily at keeping in touch with all the people that i've spoken to over time um that's a bit of a challenge when you start getting into kind of, cause it's 308 episodes, but we've, we've had episodes where we've had multiple people or we've gone to a conference like web summit and, and had like 10 people on a, on a snippet kind of thing. So we've we've probably interviewed more than 400 people. It's quite difficult to track that, especially when you're bad at yeah, Um yeah. but you know, last year it brought in about 600 grams worth of revenue and not because we were selling, but just because you were out there having conversations with people and if you do it for the right reasons and you're genuinely trying to add some value and create some content for the community, you will get yourself in positions where you're having just peer to peer conversations rather than recruiter and client. And, and they, you know, opportunities will, you will stumble across that that you can go, Oh, Hey, well, would you mind having a conversation with the organization I work with? So it's a very, it's a very long term kind of goal in terms of building relationships that can add some value in that regard but if you do it right then it will lead to stuff that's that's beneficial you know and and in a way that doesn't feel like it begins to impact the 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 ethical kind of stuff that underpins the podcast itself
0: yeah yeah i think for sure i think there's definitely going to be or there already is a, a growing podcast community coming from the recruitment industry now and yeah um I think if they're going out there with the pure focus of, of making money off the back of it, like it's, it's, it's complete BD tool. I think people can see people through see it. through that. Yeah. You yeah, will see through it. If you're genuinely interested in your market, you're interested in, in creating all, content that adds value without always an agenda. Then I think you can, you're still loads of opportunity in every niche. There's there's plenty of opportunity. Um, what, what, what's been the approach to lockdown from a, for, from, uh, your, your perspective. Uh, you said you've not got. Um, you're not from, got any- from
1: me personally, or, or work want, more generally.
0: More from about that like, the show and the direction of the show. So, for example, my show went from telling stories of people's growth journeys and recruitment agencies and feeling actually at the time of lockdown that was a little bit insensitive. It was like you know, do you really want to hear about how Harvey Nash grown to hundreds of millions? Well, not really. No, people want to know how to survive. What the hell's happening? So. I went out and interviewed people that were experts and advisors and I tried to go, if you're giving one or two recruitment agencies the advice, let's give it everyone. And then that's evolved. You can't keep doing that either. So for me now, it's more news, future, where are we heading in this digital world? What's your journey been like over the last few months?
1: Well, it's interesting because the approach that you've taken there is one that I've, I've heard echoed by um, some of the biggest names in the industry. So I, I interviewed Secret Leaders for another show recently. And Secret Leaders is what, the number one business podcast in the UK, a million downloads to their latest okay. series or, or their fourth series rather. And they had a fifth series ready to go and they shelved it and uh, put together a series called Secret Leaders in Crisis that was specifically about how do we deal with what's going on right now. I didn't really do that with Tech Talks. I think the, the conversations naturally have changed slightly. Uh, and the type of content that we're looking for is a bit different. Um, so we've spoken to a lot of companies who've pivoted. Um, and they've had to think about their services and think about what they're offering. And, you know, some interesting themes have come out of that. Like, you know, it's about living your values right now. It's not about selling. It's about helping your existing clients. It's about being there, making sure that those, those customers come through this crisis with you. And I think those conversations have been natural. They, they've organically... Um, come up over the course of the last three months. So I haven't, I haven't fundamentally altered the makeup of the show. um, But at the same time, I've sought out people that I think might be interesting right now. So for example, um, I'm about to interview in the next couple of days, um, the CIO of Williams F1. And we'll, we'll coincide that with the start of the Formula One season restart restart start start, no it hasn't even started has
0: it um one companies are tech companies really aren't it's all about yeah so
1: so it's stuff that's topical and it's stuff that feels relevant right now um where where we go on the other side of this i don't know because the one other thing that we've been able to do right now is interview people in all sorts of locations i mean the whole idea of you being location based in any industry is beginning to fall apart slightly so I think that might be an interesting thing. you Was your show always
0: face-to-face before?
1: Not always, but it was definitely what I preferred. Yeah. Um, but I don't think actually it not being has held it back in any, in any respect. Yeah, really? uh, and, you know, 17% of our audience is US. Um, we have more listeners in Spain and Germany and Ireland than we do in the UK outside of London. Really? Wow. So you know, we have to cater for an international
0: audience now. Um, and, well, I, had a, I did a show yesterday in San Fran, uh, no, just outside LA. So in the Orange County, right. And I did, I've done Australia. Um, I've, I've, I've really been able to open the doors, China, Hong Kong. Um, and before it was a very come to the office in London. The, the quality was amazing. The experience was great, but it definitely gave me more options doing it this way. And, and again, I don't think it's affected the listeners either. Um, no. What, so to wrap up what do you there's going to be a lot of people out there thinking about doing this they're going to be mm-hmm. listening that the industry is shifting towards marketing being a major part of the of the business in in recruitment agencies what advice would you give anyone that's thinking about creating a podcast in the future or or even just going on more of a content community building type journey
1: well i think i think you again your content If you're thinking about a broader piece around marketing, digital marketing and content, it has to be stuff that helps. To your point, you know, you changed the content behind the show because you wanted it to feel like it was relevant and that it was helping people. Uh, Harvey Nash, for example, we've got this platform called Your Tomorrow, which is stories of placements from candidates um, of their experience of being placed through, through lockdown. And it's their personal accounts all around digital onboarding and how that's been and how that's worked and what's worked and what's not worked, right? So stuff like that is is entirely relevant to, to the new realities that we find ourselves in. Um, I think if you're starting a podcast, first of all, ask why, you know, is what, what are the, what are the reasons behind me starting a podcast? Like before we were saying, if it's because you feel that everyone has a podcast and you really should be out there and and you need to be creating some content, it's probably not the right reason. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were going to start, a content channel and it's going to be consistent and regular and people are going to listen to it well um aside from anything else at, at its at its very core you need to be doing it because you want to be having those conversations and you're passionate about it you know a lot of people that you speak to when, when they've started podcasts they, they've, they've started a podcast about a particular subject because they they're interested in it and they've gone out there and they've looked for that particular bit of content and not found it so they've created it themselves yeah, yeah. um so i think you need to really have clear a clear understanding about why you're doing something like this rather than just doing it as a tick the box exercise and that's the same with any content you know you don't make videos just because it's a tick the box you know we need a video and it
0: just ends up sitting on a website and no one watches it 100 percent, 100 percent. well dave thanks for taking the time out mate it's always a pleasure um i love what you do i've been obviously watching it we helped you out a little bit at the beginning and yeah absolutely uh, it's, it's definitely um you're you're flying a flag that hopefully the industry will keep an eye on and i want more people to see what you're doing um if anyone does want to reach out and ask you any questions are you open to giving a bit of a bit of love for the absolutely
1: yes um i uh, apologize if i take any time getting back to you as i said i'm, I'm terrible with admin but linkedin <laughs> twitter instagram they're all
0: they're all there i always say that to people like, i'll always come back to you just don't know when because i'm yeah. I'll get back to you. But again, I'm, I'm never been an admin guy. Um, but look, uh, I'll make sure you're tagged in everything. Thanks so much for taking the time out and uh, good luck with everything in the next few months. Cheers, guys, you too. Guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as I say, every single day, if you're enjoying it, please do one thing. Share this show with someone in your network. I don't ask you to pay to listen. I ask you to share with someone you think will benefit. So if you know another recruitment owner or a colleague who seems like they might be interested in what Dave's got to say, Get it out there, share it. And the more that people listen, the more as an industry we come together and we learn from the ideas that are coming out and popping up globally. I'll be back again tomorrow with more insights, more information. In the meantime, stay safe and I'll see you. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017 having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for so that involves strategy content creation distribution systems process and leads generated having been recruiters and marketeers we can not only build your brand but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing there's a clear roi that leads to sales activity But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020, and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market, and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a a supplier that acts as part of your team, or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.